the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Hello and welcome to the Worldview Media Podcast. With a face made for radio and a voice made for pantomime, I'm your host, Gordon Runyon, <laughs> and with me in the studio are two women who would never lie to their best friends about their secret powers. It's my wife, Joyce, here Hello. with me in the studio, and daughter, Jordan, by phone. Hello, Jordan. Hello. All right, we're here today to talk to you about... Uh, Netflix series called Marvel's Daredevil, and we're going to be analyzing that show for worldview content. We're going to be running it like a piece of raw meat through a sausage (laughs) grinder, the sausage grinder of the five point biblical covenant and we'll see we'll see what we come up with so marvel's daredevil what do y'all think of it i like it <laughs> can you be more specific <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i don't know i think that the writing is really compelling and I really like the characters and the acting, and uh, got a cool feeling. It's all gritty and real and stuff. It's it's cool. It's a different take on a superhero thing. Okay, yeah, it's very uh, very street level, and uh, you're not gonna see caped people flying through the sky <laughs> or anything. No, you won't see caped people flying. You know, it really is um, pretty good for a. Uh, Netflix series, you know, this isn't a little movie, it's something that they've been doing, uh, been two years, I think they're getting ready to start their third year, uh, what we watched was the premiere episode, just to get us back in the mind frame of what it was back in the beginning, so, um, I like the series, I like, um, I like the characters, like Jordan was saying, it is pretty real, it's gritty, they're in Hell's Kitchen, you know, it's not this pristine place that they're looking. And, of course, this first episode kind of gives you a little bit of backstory about um, Daredevil and who he is and where he's at. So Right, right. Well, some of the overall things I like about it are... I'm with you guys on the, the writing. I think the writing is done well. But also, I think the acting is, is done pretty well. And they've got really good characters, too. Right, and one of the things that I've liked a lot is the two other major characters that they've brought in so far on the first two seasons. They brought the bad guy in season one was the Kingpin. Yeah. And then the guy they're chasing throughout all of season two is the Punisher. And they're both Marvel Comics characters. And as a as a kid who grew up who grew up reading comic books and, and loving the Marvel Universe especially, I've really been happy with what they've done with those two characters. Kingpin especially, they put a 
man, he's got a, he's just scary, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, uh, which is as it should be. And the Punisher has done really well also. And so I think both those, those major characters that they've brought in have been really fun to deal with as well. And seems like we're going probably in season three, we'll take a more mystical direction. And I think the whole Marvel universe is kind of going that way. So, well, and they also had Electra show up. And so, Oh yeah. Electra is there. She was there. Yeah. And, um, oh, who's that crazy guy? That old guy. Stick. <laughs> Stick. Yeah. That was it. I want to call him Sting. <laughs> thought, no, that's not right. <laughs> and, uh, and I shared with you guys already, but I'll just mention this bit of trivia. The people who created the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were big fans of Daredevil comic books. Sorry, Jordan. <laughs> We've dropped Jordan all the way to the floor. Oh you fell out of my hand. There she is. Okay. And so being fans of Daredevil, they actually kind of stole his origin story or made use of it for their own characters, the Mutant Ninja Turtles. They, <laughs> according to them, the same toxic waste spill that, that blinded Daredevil and gave him his powers also created the Mutant Ninja Turtles. And, <laughs> and, so and like, uh, like Daredevil's mentor and the guy that trained him is named Stick and, and then the turtles are trained by a wizened old rat named Splinter. And, uh, ah, yeah. interesting. The parallels. Right. So that's just kind of fun. And anyway, I guess I agree with you all about, I like, I pretty much like everything about this show and, and the way it's done. And we'll get into some of the more serious aspects, which I also think are done really well when we go through the mm. Bible Covenant. The other thing is, as just a dude watching superhero shows here, uh, the choreography, the fight scenes in Daredevil oh, yeah. are kind of taking it to a whole new level. And <laughs> I think they're just done really well. Uh, the one that there are two fight scenes in particular that stick out to me from the series as being just exceptional. And one was... It might have been the first or the last of season one where uh, Daredevil is stuck on top of a a building. And I don't know how many floors there are, but it's like 10 or 20 stories. And, <laughs> and he has to get down through this abandoned building. And he's got a he's got like an outlaw biker gang that's all looking to kill him. And they're coming up the stairs while he's trying to get down the stairs and escape. And so they have this gigantic fight scene on the stairs in the hallway just bouncing all over the place fighting all these guys and i just i was exhausted by the time that scene was over i thought it was really well done and the other fight scene that i hold up as being really good it didn't involve daredevil it was the punisher once they get him into prison and then the kingpin is there kind of waiting for him and the kingpin orders a bunch of prisoners to kill him and i believe he was already wounded he had to fight for his life against like mm -hmm. this cell block full of prisoners mm -hmm. and winds up uh winds up surviving so 
and but it was <laughs> it was really brutal and but I thought it was really well done choreography wise and uh, just well thought out a lot of that stuff was. Yeah, I also really like that scene where he's trying to save that kid and he's fighting in the hallway and you don't hardly see any of the fighting really. Oh like yeah, I think I remember that. Throwing guys around and that <laughs> microwave and all this random stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, a lot of that is I think done pretty well. It's imaginative. They're not, they're not just run of the mill fight scenes and all that. Well, and then too, it doesn't seem like it's really an incredibly large budget that they're working with, and yet it right. seems really you know it's really good. It's not all this just CGI special effects right, things. Right. It's real stuff going on, and uh, I think I like that as well. You know, some of right. the the other superhero things that are going on are like huge budgets and. Um, I just don't see that here. It just feels more real. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. Are, is there anything so far about the series that you don't like very well, or how's that all working out for you? Off the top of my head, no. I can't really think of anything where I'm like, oh, that doesn't really make sense, or that's not in place, or it's extraneous. Uh, I don't think I liked Electra as much as I thought I would. She's yeah. kind of a spoiled brat type of person (laughs) on top of being psychotic yeah Yeah. i mean she's just kind of she i maybe that's who electra is and i've been confused all my life so (laughs) all right so kind of overall grades for you how do you feel about daredevil as a series what letter grade would you give it so far i think i'd give it an a yeah i'm in agreement all right. Well, we've got no controversy on that point then. What about you? What do you say? I, I I'm with you. I think it's. You just a, said there was no controversy, Mom. Well, there's none between us. <laughs> but who am I to disagree? With? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. There's a lot I like about it, and and frankly, as good as we've talked about it so far, I think the the bits that I've really liked, we'll talk about it after the break when we get into the worldview analysis. And speaking of that, let's go ahead and have our break then, and we will rejoin you in just a second. We'll start looking at the five-point biblical covenant and trying to fit Daredevil in there. Back in a bit. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. And we're back, and we're ready to take Marvel's Daredevil through the Biblical Five-Point Covenant to uh, 
try to discern what sort of worldview is being preached there. The first part of the biblical covenant, covenant, not covenant. <laughs> hey, there's a candy idea. <laughs> oh, <laughs> refreshing. <laughs> Let, let your breath be as clean as your soul. <laughs> With the covenant. I don't know if that's really going to work for most people. <laughs> All right. So the first part of the covenant is transcendence. And this is where we talk about what's the highest power, what kind of calls the shots in this universe, what, who determines what's right and wrong, who's the creator, who's the savior, who's the lawgiver, and is it anyone higher than anyone else? And so this is one place where I kind of appreciate Daredevil because you see Matt Murdock, who is the Daredevil by night, uh, you see him struggle with issues of right and wrong, and and it's obvious that he sees himself as accountable to God. Uh, it's actually, and he does this often in a religious context. You know, anytime, anytime a Hollywood movie wants to portray. Christian faith it it does it within a Catholic context and and that's what we get here but completely apart from the religious trappings of the Catholic Church it's obvious that Matt Murdock himself as an individual does see himself accountable to God and so he struggles with the fact that he's out here uh, doing things that are often brutal and and violent and and it's it's kind of a dilemma for him, and we'll talk more about that as we get to the ethics section. But the fact that he's struggling, and 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 knows himself to be accountable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. That's a that's a big deal. The other the other thing that points to transcendence is just the fact that Matt Murdock is able to say on the one hand that he's going to be a lawyer and uphold the law of the land, but on the other hand, he's going to uh, live a secret life based on the fact that he knows the, the human institutions that are supposed to uphold the law and supposed to make justice happen mm -hmm. often don't for one reason or another where and and in this setting it's normally because of corruption and and, right. and cheating and stuff like that and so that points to transcendence because Matt Murdock obviously sees there is a there's a law that governs what real justice is he may mm -hmm. struggle to understand that but but he knows justice must be higher than what we're getting from the police and the courts and, yeah. and stuff like that. And so, so isn't justice blind? Isn't that what it's supposed to be? <laughs> well, okay, yeah, that's the that's the common saying, and and the opening credits kind of play off that a little bit. You, mm -hmm. you see justice as a blind woman there, and with the scales and and kind of juxtaposed against the daredevil mask and mm -hmm. so he's the blind one too yeah. yeah uh any other thoughts on transcendence there or? well i think I, I agree with you on that and you know he often goes back to the to the church and to the 
priest there to talk with him and kind of just mull things over in a way with someone I think that, you know, I don't think he can do that with Foggy because right. Foggy would be like, what? <laughs> what is going on with you? Right. Right. <laughs> but, uh, so he does. I think he, he thinks that God is in control, but I think there's also some, some parts there that maybe God doesn't quite have it all sewn up in he a way. He has to because, help God yeah. So, I mean, there is some transcendence with that there is someone higher than him, but he's working to work out the big plan because obviously it's not getting done. So Right. So there's a little bit of that involved there. Yeah, I could see and that. And I, I, for me, I just always remember you saying, you know, that we have a sovereign God and the devil is real and he is... He's God's devil, you know. Yeah, he's going right. to do the things that God will allow him to do, and so I, I kind of see that superimposed on this daredevil thing too. That oh, you know, okay. he calls himself a devil, and yeah, you know, <laughs> I don't know the little pointy hat and all that stuff. <laughs> right. But he knows. I think he knows that he's kind of doing things that are that may be perceived as just violent yeah. for being violent. And uh, not going through the courts or the systems that have been established, but of course we've already said that many times that that fails yeah. people, and um, so it's just interesting. Right, and I think if we're right, then the, the transcendent power that we're dealing with is is kind of, uh, and I don't want to be insulting to anybody, but it's kind of a Hollywood a Hollywood version of Catholic Christianity. So the the God in view or or backstage in this series is kind of the Catholic Church's God. And you kind of see that sometimes when uh, Matt Murdock does talk to a priest and confess these things, and it's never about the blood of Christ. You know, it's always about getting your act together and doing mm -hmm. the right things so that you won't go to hell. And, yeah. and if I, you, if you have done bad things, there's a prescribed list of good things you can do to help take care of that. Yeah. 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 So, so in that sense, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think the writers intend for the transcendent power to be the Christian God, but it won't, it really winds up being a more kind of a Catholicized, uh, version of, of that. Which I don't, which I don't believe is correct or biblical, but uh, that's what we find here. However, that being said, not many, not many shows. Period, much less superhero shows, take the time to explicitly explore topics like faith and guilt and damnation and. Mm -hmm and what redemption might look like and stuff like that. So that's a, and that's not just a. That's not a thing that's thrown in there. I think the writers have taken some time to think about it. And and so I've appreciated it. it it's not a tacked-on thing where they said, oh, let's do some religious stuff now. I, I almost feel like it's a, it's part of the warp and woof of, of what they're trying to do there. Right. And that is sort of a, a classic daredevil thing, too, that he's like this Catholic boy trying to figure how he fits in as a Catholic and a lawyer and a vigilante kind of balance all these things. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. 
Okay, so any other thoughts on transcendence, or are you ready to move on to part two? I guess we're ready to move on. Okay, part two of the covenant, the second section, is about uh, its hierarchy or representation. When a new king in biblical days would conquer a territory, he would often, as part of the treaty with a new territory, he would install his own governor or his own kind of puppet king and so the people would be responsible to that guy, and then that guy would be the representative of the new conquering king. Under the biblical covenant, this is where we mention the fact that under the old and new covenants, you have uh, you have persons who are placed in positions of some responsibility and authority within God's uh, God's covenant, and and they're meant to represent him: prophets, priests, kings, pastors, parents, that sort of thing, deacons, elders, and so we have these people who represent the transcendent power. Uh, so, I think the obvious answer then. Stop me if you've heard this before. I think the obvious answer is if if Daredevil is dealing with the Catholic God then the Catholic priest kind of stands in place or, or is the the official representative of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that. But I also kind of think, as, like in the actual story, I think we see really it's more like Matt's job to be that guy. Because in like a real structure way, I guess the priest would be the the representative of of God and stuff, but I think in the narrative, it's really Matt who's representing that sort of view of the world. Right, because as he's mindful of these things, it it forces its way into the story. Yeah, and and the Catholic Church, although it's kind of a a thread in the story, I don't think it's prominent in in everything. Right, you know, so. So yeah, Matt, it's like a touchstone. He goes back and he says, okay, this is what is real and this is what I need to base things on. And then he goes back out and he tries to work that out in, in everything that he's doing and how he's being the daredevil and how right. he's a, being a lawyer and how he's being a friend and you know how he's doing all those other things. So Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see that. I think that's obviously right. If you're going to If you're going to try to pick up on the transcendence issue, it's mostly going to come from observing Murdoch's character there. Uh, my my hot take on this is that there's another representative of the Transcendence, and it's Matt's dad. And as he remembers him, and as he remembers the things that he said to him, and how he was raised, and what he observed in his life, he and this is consistent with the comic books, I believe, that his memories of his dad are also a touchstone for him. They're kind of a North Star that that keep him pointed in the right direction and kind right. of guide his principles and stuff like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, nobody disagrees? Well, I would, you know, <laughs> just as a, as a parent, you do have a lot of influence on your children. And sure. so, you know, that makes sense that he's going to do that. And especially when you lose a parent as a child, I think you tend to elevate them in a status. Yeah. And so you may not remember all of the, you know, the things that were iffy or questionable. Right. right. <laughs> You're going to focus more on um, 
some of the the things of wisdom and what made them special and you know so i i can agree with that fairly easily i hadn't thought about that (laughs) but i guess you know the dad kind of re reappears through the series and yeah and uh in memory form so yeah okay well, my feeling is that we're going to have a lot to talk about under ethics. And ethics covenantally is now that you're in this organization, what are your responsibilities and what are you supposed to do? And kind of the way we've come up with to discern that in a narrative is to ask the question, what sorts of moral dilemmas do our characters go through and how do they go about resolving those and really, I think this is just all over this series, especially with the Daredevil character himself. Because uh-huh. his struggle, he's, like Jordan mentioned, he's a vigilante, but he's not sure it's at all right to be a vigilante. And he struggles with that, and it causes him, I think it causes him a lot of guilt, and it uh, wounds his conscience at times, and... I think he vacillates on whether or not he thinks he's a good guy or a bad guy, and uh, so talk about that for a little bit. How do you, how does you perceive that struggle going on with him? I think some of that is related to just how everybody else sees him as well, because you know even his good friend Foggy's like, you know, what's with this, right. this dude? Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know how justice is served? And and so I think some of his struggle just comes from what he's getting with feedback from people that he really does trust about, well, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Right, right. You were going to say something, Jordan, or no? Well, I think, I think what his problem is is that he, because uh, it, 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 it's, it's a tough thing, I think, for him because he's seeing, like, as a lawyer, he knows that stuff doesn't always work out and, like, guilty people don't always get, you know, justice served and stuff. But he has power to do that, to, like, go ahead and punish them anyway. And is it okay if, if they haven't been, you know, if, if, <laughs> right. if the land hasn't said that, that they're guilty, but he knows them to be, like, is it still okay to exact his own justice right. and stuff? And I think that the thing that he, I feel like the thing that he struggles with the most often, if we're being really specific, is just whether or not he thinks it would be okay for him to kill a really bad guy. Oh, yeah, right. How far can you go (laughs) in doing that? Yeah, Uh, just thinking about this and and stuff, I, I went and looked up some dictionary definitions of vigilantism and and what it means and I think from what I understand I think technically you can call a vigilante anybody or any group of people who decide to watch over their own stuff and their own their own private property their own well-being apart from the established conventions of civil government and stuff like that and that and that then it goes on to maybe exact punishment like Jordan was talking about. You're not just you're not just defending against the bad guys, you're not even just capturing them and putting them under arrest, but a vigilante goes ahead and exacts his own justice or the group's own justice. And 
I think just, I was thinking about this as a writer. If I was a writer and I'm going to come up with a superhero comic book, would there be a way to have a superhero that was not in violation of biblical sorts of principles? And so for me, I think looking at biblical law and, and what was required there, you know, there isn't any, we've mentioned this a lot of times, in biblical law, there's no provision made for police. And the really, the only civil officers that there are would be the judges and maybe a officer of the court who could go out and, and, and do search warrants and make arrests and stuff like that. And so it occurs to me that then who was it that was supposed to handle things? Well, it was supposed to be the people. Mm -hmm. And everything was done by a citizen militia. Now, if you had a citizen militia, they would be doing the same sorts of things that a vigilante group would be doing, but what would separate them from a vigilante group? And I think it would be their adherence to the law of God and their refusal to exact their own justice. If you had a citizen militia that was watching over a town, say, then when somebody does evil or somebody commits a crime, their job would simply be to stop that person and corral them and make sure that they appeared in court for their trial. And that would be the extent of it. But once the once the militia decides they're the ones that are going to string a guy up from the tree or something like that, then they've violated biblical law because the law demands a trial and presentation of evidence and witnesses. And so... It occurs to me there have been superheroes in the past, and I feel like the original Batman comic books were written this way, where Batman was all about he's going to capture the criminals and make sure that the police get a hold of them, and he doesn't want to kill them or punish them himself. He's going to let them stand trial and, and get what's coming to them through the court system. And uh, I think that if you had a superhero that had that as an ethic that he sees himself as an officer of the court and not as judge, jury, and executioner. I think that would be a, you know, if you had superpowers and you thought, can I go out and stop crime? I would say, yeah, you can. You just can't be the, you can't be the executioner. And so I think that's where, I think that's where Daredevil struggles a lot like you're talking about he's wondering how far can i actually go and and stuff like that and i think we've seen him at times just kind of turn bad guys over to the police and yeah and that kind of seems like the way to go for me the other moral dilemma that strikes me is kind of related but when the punisher character shows up in season two and daredevil's trying to convince him no, you can't just go kill everybody. Uh, you're doing the same sort of thing I'm doing, but you're doing it wrong, and and <laughs> <laughs> you're being you're being very evil in what you're doing. Uh, to me, that was interesting as Daredevil's trying to argue with him and convince him that he doesn't get to go just wipe people out and stuff like that, and and so his moral dilemma was all about revenge, and yeah, we've kind of seen that played out in many movies and, and all that. What do y'all think about the Punisher character and his motivations and all that? I feel like his name really says a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure he names himself that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
It works, though. <laughs> yeah, that is what he's doing. He's exacting vengeance. In biblical law, the, the vengeance that's supposed to be exacted is God's, and you're only going to do that by obeying the law of God. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just exacting human vengeance. Yep. Uh, there were other moral dilemmas, like uh, when Foggy finally finds out that his partner and friend is a vigilante superhero mm -hmm. what did you think of that struggle that he had then well, it seemed pretty honest you know that would be kind of how people would feel <laughs> right feeling very betrayed and... yeah well in this first episode that we watched you know the, the ethical question was what do you do with this girl who's found with this body that's dead and she's got blood all over herself and um you know, Matt has a, he's kind of like a personal lie detector. <laughs> right, yeah. So he kind of, he has a heads up as to, was this person telling the truth? Are they kind of stretching the truth? And can I trust them? And so um, I think that's really to his advantage to be able to do that. Yeah. To walk into situations and be able to discern, okay, I can, you're telling me what's real and I can defend you properly or maybe I don't want to defend you and, and then uh, how this person then becomes a part of their team and right. um, they all work together, even though everybody's kind of got their secrets, except, I don't know if Foggy has any secrets. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an open book, yeah. you know, but she's got her secrets and of course Matt has his secrets and Foggy's just happy to be in the group. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. yeah, interesting. All right. Well, if that's it for ethical dilemmas, I thought they were really interesting, and, and I've really enjoyed the banter back and forth as Daredevil talks to different characters about what he what he's doing and what he sees his mission as, and and even as he's struggling with that and going back and forth and not really being sure. I think that's been really well done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, the last, well, the fourth section of the covenant is about sanctions and if you do the right things the right way what do you get in reward or if you break the ethical stipulations then what's your negative reward or your sanction and that's kind of a theme too the fact that daredevil one of his motivations is just looking around and seeing that nobody gets what they ought to get you know and yeah and that the system the system, it's not that the system has failed, it's that it can be bought and steered and used. And so it's not that in the first season when we're dealing more with corrupt police, it's not that the police are failing, it's that they're they're doing... Choosing, yeah, they're willfully. Yeah, they're, so the system isn't failing, it's just been bought by a bad guy and, and it's doing what it does in the wrong direction or in a blatantly evil direction. And so I think that's Daredevil's motivation and his struggle, like we've talked about. How do, how do we make sure, can we make sure that people get what's coming to them, the bad guys especially? Yeah. Well, I think even for him that that's a, a hard thing because he's trying to do the right thing. But so often he winds up being injured or hurt himself. And, uh, you know, it's a brutal thing that he's out there <laughs> right. doing. 
and he carries all that stuff with him physically. You know, he's always kind of beat up and right and of near course, death. Yeah, right. his thing is that I ran into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, he is trying to do the right thing, and yet it's not paying off for him. Just yeah, he suffers a lot yeah. trying to do the right thing. You know, not just yeah. physically, but also I think uh, just mentally and <laughs> yeah. and all yeah. that. He he and suffers. He, like, Loses friendships and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. Okay. Uh, the last part of the covenant is succession, and biblically, this is how we talk about like once the once the sovereign king's puppet governor passes away, how do we know who replaces him? How does this covenant go on? Uh, does this outfit have a future? And and so we ask, just from what we've seen in the narrative so far, what what does the future hold for our main characters, say? And we're in the middle of just, we're at the end of season two, waiting for season three. And of course, season two ended on a bit of a cliffhanger and, and a great foreboding that even worse evil is on its way to Hell's Kitchen and, and it it's not looking good for any of the good guys. So it feels like we're in act two and it's probably too soon to see <laughs> how, how this thing is going to wind yeah. up. Well, I think that's probably true, but you still know that the consistency of the character of Matt is going to try to be to continue to uh, yeah. do what he's done. He's going to be right in there. You know, yeah. regardless of what the obstacle is or how insurmountable it seems, he's going to stay true to, to what he knows is right. Yeah. Even if it costs him tremendously to do so. Right. Exactly. Jordan, you have anything else? Uh, no, I think mom nailed it. All right. <laughs> I nailed it. She has a penchant for that. She nails many things. <laughs> <laughs> I must have a nail gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's her nickname, the nail gun. Not... <laughs> <laughs> Not the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you need, <laughs> if you're crying out for a nailing, she'll do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're done, and we want to stress again we don't do these podcasts because we think that Marvel's Daredevil is a terribly important cultural phenomenon we didn't do last week because we think that Willy Wonka's chocolate factory is a big worldview deal or anything like that but what we're doing is trying to put the biblical five-point covenant into practice the bible says that the mature christian is the one who by by reason of use is able to have their senses sharpened and and they're able to discern right and wrong because mm -hmm. they've been practicing and and they know how to do this and so we're trying to use the biblical covenant as a help for that and the fact that we choose goofy movies here and there and and ridiculous sh shows and and stuff that is really kind of fluff and filler and and stuff like that that doesn't mean we think these things are you know, the most important studies that you'll ever do. You know, we're not very serious. We're pretty lighthearted, but 
our goal is to practice and and be trained in how to recognize what's being said. Yeah. Well, and I think too that so many of us just spend time watching things and being very passive about it. And that's really how our culture shifts and change is because people just sit there and say, Oh, well, this must be okay. You know, that's not so bad if somebody has an alternative lifestyle or somebody (laughs) wants to, you know, practice cannibalism. It's all good. It's a, you know, it's just another option. And so you really do need to be critical about what you're watching and to think about it. And, you know, the Bible tells us to take all thoughts captive and we shouldn't just be, uh, floating around in this right. soup or this culture soup that they're saying the water's warm it's all <laughs> right, good right. So. and it's my conviction too that the philosophy departments and all these big universities with their marxism and their ridiculous feminism and- they they're not really the ones affecting the culture <laughs> The ones affecting the culture are shows like Will and Grace and Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and and every other ridiculous comedy and, and reality show and, mm-hmm. and movie that comes out. That's where culture really gets affected. Yeah. And video games and, and whatever else. And so uh, that's where we need to be serious about training ourselves to recognize and also to do we need creative people to figure out how to do these things in a manner that honors god people smarter than me so (laughs) (laughs) that's a low bar (laughs) all right so that's it for us at the worldview media podcast and we'll be back at you next week i know you look forward to it High point of your week. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of somebody's week, right? <laughs> God bless y'all. And go out and take dominion. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. <laughs>